0: It's often a lonely business because it's at the end of the day you unless you have like a small agency or someone else you're doing this with it's you replying to GitHub issues it's you doing the code it's you figuring out everything in your head.
1: From Boster Commerce, it's the Commerce Minded Podcast, a show where we go behind the scenes to talk with the people who make e-commerce tick. Retailers, consultants, agencies, independent creatives and developers, they're all here. I'm Stephen Callender. Our guest today is Fred Carlson, a prolific Crafts EMS plugin developer, and most likely the nicest Norwegian I've ever met. I first met Fred Carlson at Dot All in Berlin, uh, 2018. And uh, yeah, I think we just met each other kind of right before lunch break and uh, went out. So we went out with um, Michael Van Dorth of Foster Commerce and Mark. Man, Mark, (laughs) I I don't know how to pronounce your last name, dude. Mark Dumbaven, Dumbaven, I don't know. I'm just letting you know right now. Sorry, dude. Let me know so I can pronounce it correctly. Anyways, we had a fabulous lunch. We walked out and went to a little place and uh, chatted, got to know each other. And um, I learned right then, Fred's just uh, a really cool guy, a really nice guy, a great conversation. And he has a lot of passion and a lot of care about the stuff he does. And that shines through even in this conversation. So we kind of caught Fred at a... At an interesting moment, um, and we start off the conversation talking about uh, that interesting moment, and it led to some other conversations about stuff. But so, Fred, the reason why I wanted to have him on the show was because not only does he just write a lot of craft plugins, but he writes some really good ones um, and specific ones for craft commerce. We use one of his plugins in a commerce one site, uh, for the abandoned cart recovery. Uh, stuff. So one of our clients is regularly using that and um, has success sending out abandoned cart recovery emails uh, through Fred's plugin. But Fred's got some other stuff. We talk about some of them, but there's some some interesting uh, and just some helpful ones like batch PDF stuff. I mean, also you can kind of go check on plugins. Craft CMS. Um, you know what? I don't even think on there. There's a good way to really search. Uh, super big. So super big is the name that he. You can type in super big into the search and see some of Fred's stuff. So super big is the name of Fred's uh, kind of solo venture. Um, As we learn, he works for an agency as well. Um, So he's got two things going on. Yeah, we have a nice long chat. So I'm going to end this thing here and uh, we're just going to dive into it. So I hope you get a lot out of this. I'll tell you what, if you're a developer, if you write code, if you write plugins, any of that stuff, this is really going to be really helpful for you, hopefully. Uh, And interesting for you, Fred is—he's open and he shares and he talks about his struggles. I talk about my struggles, Uh, so we we have uh, just a a very kind of open conversation. So I I hope that you'll find it very valuable, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. I was
0: working on like a reports plugin or porting it to Craftree, and and some other reports like a plugin with the same name popped up in my GitHub feed, and then I checked it out, and it it looked like it was mostly my code and it turned out that it was so it was like 90% my code and they were uh, preparing to release it to the plugin store so i was i mean stressed and pissed off and i didn't know what to do and then i i just uh, like went ahead and made the port of my plugin ready in one day so like last uh midnight yesterday i i released uh, my porch
1: <laughs> <sighs> whoa hold on hold on so you had the reports plugin. this was originally for craft 2 right
0: yeah correct
1: and then you had it on github somebody else took it without telling you ported it to craft 3 do you know if they were about to push it to the store, or it just looked like they just had ported it themselves?
0: Yeah. So so I reached out to Tonic just to ask what, like, how should I handle the situation? And it, I think they said something along the lines that I could try to add it to Craft ID, even if I wasn't ready to submit, just to to uh, hold on to the the plugin handle. And when I tried to add my plugin, it just said it was already taken. So so yeah. I like that's how I knew.
1: Did you reach out to the person or people who were using your your code? I yeah I did that too,
0: and I got what I feel was very I don't know how what to call it. It, it was basically yeah like we had the Craft Two version and we copied and like made our own version that did this different thing, which was basically like a simple instead of uh, downloading the CSV, it, it sent it via email but still like it was like a tiny thing and it was my plugin it had a license that basically said you were are not able to make copies and make it publicly available i don't care about people making like private copies and whatever but once they put it on github and stuff then yeah it matters to me and so they basically had like 90% or more of the code was mine and there was a funny One of the files, the only change they have uh, made was they added their own copyright. So (laughs) they added their copyright to my file. And that was the only difference between the two files. So, yeah, and they they said, oh, yeah, we feel like there's room for both plugins in the plugin store. So basically, they wanted to take my code and compete with my plugin. Has that happened before? No, I, I not that I'm aware. I'm I'm sure there's people looking at like other plugins. I do all the time, like look at how people solve things, and and sometimes it's probably like quite similar, or and probably the same because there's only a like a that many ways to approach something, but not to this extent, and not not where like they basically they. We're doing the same thing as my plugin, but just with my code, but branded it in under their name, which was kind of the case here. Like, I didn't know how to react. Like, I, obviously I got pissed, but I got stressed because as you know, I have all these plugins and most of them are f- free. And it's uh, it's a challenge sometimes to like make, the business case or like to make it viable for me to work on these plugins and and reports the reports plugin is actually one of the more popular ones and one that i really like want to make commercial so to make the plugin development of all all the plugins i do is viable i need some like more commercial plugins so need to earn more money and reports was one of those areas and i guess that made it extra like annoying and kind of problematic,
1: yeah, well, even the fact that they just disagreed with you, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it was it was just like offhand they didn't really consider yeah i I found it very dishonest and off putting, to say the
1: least, well, well, I guess how did you catch it when you say it came up in your in your github feed, like yeah, it was
0: i I don't even know, like maybe I followed some of them because. I tend to keep an eye on what's going on in the graph community just to see, you know, like what are other people doing, but also is there any like interesting things people are doing like plugins and is there some way I can like work with them or their plugins? Can I build an integration like on top of someone else's plugin like I do with commerce and I, I was following them for some reason. So it was
1: random. Wow, yeah so it's you kind of got lucky that you were following them to keep catch it so they know to the node to try to react yeah so other than that there's no it sounds like there's no system to catch it other than like just seeing it I mean pixel autonomous is gonna they're not gonna play the role of you know verifying plugins so who knows there might be some plugins in the plugin store that shouldn't be there
0: now I I, I think this like problem of uh, intellectual property and who owns what and who made what is it's always gonna be a problem. And the more people that comes into the craft market, there's gonna always gonna be like a percentage that either they they forget about like the code they copied or actually they copy your code and intentionally don't give you credit. Regardless of their reasons, there's always gonna be like a percentage that probably does that to a certain degree and I can, I can see also Pixantonic's challenge here. And like Dick, I don't think they could go into it. Even as they mentioned, Apple doesn't really do that. They just, I guess, check the technical quality to a certain degree with automated checks, but they don't check if you copied someone else's app, I think.
1: So you have to kind of bring it up to them. You have to be proactive about it. And then yeah essentially, if you really want to take it seriously, then you can go your own legal route.
0: Yeah, I think uh, to a certain degree, it's the community's responsibility to keep an eye on what's going on and check out plugins and report plugins. Or if there's any bad things going on, I think it's the community's responsibility first and foremost, because it's easier for us to catch it than Pixar and Tonic to review and, and compare it against every other plugin, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that would be not the most productive use of, of their time. No, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I was kind of wondering the backstory of that because you, you just released this plugin quickly, and yeah, to hear that that's kind of what happened because you weren't you weren't intending on releasing it. Was that something you were working on, but like it was maybe going to be like a month or so out?
0: I've had discussions before with like people reaching out and like asking if they can pay. For, uh, for porting them, because there's only that many, you know, hours in the day, and I have this backlog of plugins, and so I have to be ruthless. And especially the last year, I've been very busy with everything, like work, with redoing my apartment, like all life, you know. And then you have this challenging process of, like, migrating from craft 2 to craft 3, and it was, like, tough on Pixel and Punic, you know, they spent three years on it. But for someone like me that has all these plugins, it was has been also like very challenging. Like, which plugins do you migrate? Do you only migrate the ones you care about?
1: So, how are you making that decision?
0: One way I've been trying to balance that is just to see which one do people reach out to me about and ask if if I'm migrating it over, and and this not that many of them that people have been reaching out, out about. So I think that's like one fine way. The other way I've been looking at it is, is there people out there or clients that wants to pay for me to do that job of migrating it over, especially the more complex ones, you know, which takes 40, 50, I don't know, even hundred hours to, to make it wor- worthy to release in the plugin store, that's a hundred hours of my you know life of my time that I have to spend, and that's just like maybe one plugin I guess there's like multiple ways for the free ones. I feel that to a certain degree people cannot like expect you to migrate it over like they can ask, but there's no guarantee like it's my time and not theirs but Saying that to people like straight out is hard, and I feel bad about it sometimes.
1: Oh, you're too nice of a guy, man
0: yeah, yeah, I am <laughs> i am it's It's interesting to get into like the backstory of why i I started making these plugins to begin with, but
1: well why did you start making the plugins?
0: I think my first plugin was I don't even remember which one of it was uh it was one of the smaller ones and it was 2015 like march or april or or something and i was um i had gone through like a rough patch with work and didn't feel that confident and i I felt that i needed to do like do something to connect with the world or connect with people and to rebuild my confidence get some confirmation you like the work's and I had been thinking about like open source work because we all use these projects that people make for free and put out on GitHub or, or wherever. And they put all this effort into it and, and we just use it and we don't even think about it. So I, I, I felt, okay, now it's my time to give, give back something. Also, I, I felt really fearful. I think it's normal for people to, like, to put something out on the internet it's kind of scary, like you, you think about people judging you, you think about like people picking your thing apart and saying, this is crap, but <laughs> I guess the, the reality is often worse, it's the people don't notice crickets basically, no one noticed your thing, no one uses it and that's it.
1: Yeah, you you invest all this energy into something and you're excited about it, it's very personal to you, it's eaten up some of your nights and weekends possibly. And then you put it out there, and not there's no response and so that can be uh disheartening
0: yeah especially more so because you like have all of your heroes on Twitter and wherever like west boss and and these people that have like uh hundred thousands of followers and and everything they write, even like whatever anything the, they write on Twitter gets all this interaction and people caring and. People complain, like even people complaining, that's that's great. You have an interaction, you have a conversation, you you have people caring about what you do, and you can improve based on feedback or ignore it. <laughs> Depends, you know, how work well it is. And so, you know, I was going back and forth if should I do it, should I not like do I dare to? And in the end, you know, I said, I'm just going to do it and it's all I experienced and I don't really care if it gets an interaction but it's my first attempt at doing anything publicly on the internet and like put my name on it so I published this plugin and that was it and it was you know super simple just uploaded them on uh, github and whatever <laughs> and I think within like a month or so there wasn't a lot of like People reaching out, but there was a few, and I found this uh, just the fact that someone out there used it and cared enough to ask me questions about it. I, I found that like really nice, coming from like, a, like a rough time in my life, and to having like a conversation about something I made with someone else and helping them and yeah and improving it as well. That was a really nice process
1: yeah to get that affirmation
0: exactly yeah
1: even those github issues that come in when you're like somebody's writing you and you're like hey here's a bug <laughs> there's something nice about getting those i would agree yeah 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 and <laughs> it's, a confirmation that people are using it and they value what you have put together and they're hoping that they can continue to use it and that you'll fix whatever problem they're they're seeing yeah and i think
0: it's also like an opportunity to practice empathy and to improve your like i don't know human skills First of all, how do you unpack what they said and like figure out what is the problem here? Is it the user? Is it something you did? Is it something that you're able to fix? And and then how do you like steer them to the, towards that? So if you if you need to tell them if it's their problem, <laughs> it's their fault. How do you do that in like a good way instead of just saying uh, fix your head. <laughs> <laughs> Close station, right? So, so there's so many ways to do that.
1: Get a new job. You're not gonna. You're not gonna figure this out.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I've been. I I felt like I proved a lot to all these like plugins, uh, GitHub issues, people reaching out.
1: Well, you definitely faced your fear, man. I mean, it's because you, you know, from pushing the first plugin, you're probably the most prolific plugin writer and publisher in the craft community i mean even now i didn't verify everybody else but you have 26 plugins on the plugin store and that's just for craft three so i mean craft three is less than a year old and you have 26 plugins i mean that's like more than one every two weeks at this point so you've definitely faced that fear it's so funny you I don't know why, but it's reminded me of like when I learned to dance. Like, because I was always fearful of dancing, because the same reason I didn't want people to judge me. I wasn't good at it. How good do I need to be before I make it, you know, a public appearance of dancing? Even though, like, no one cares, you know. But I didn't know that. I just, you know, you're so insecure that you just feel everybody's going to stare at you and laugh at you, or you know, whatever. So, I actually shared this with one of our clients. Um, One of our clients is (laughs) Jagermeister, and. I started dancing because I drank some Jägermeister. And so I, I credit them for giving me over my fear of dancing. So in the same way you published your first plugin, right? So I had too many Jäger um, shots that one night, but it got me dancing and now I love dancing. So so what you're saying is people that want to publish plugins
0: to the craft community but don't dare yet, they should have some Jägermeister?
1: Your drink of choice probably will help if you have that fear. Or a good friend to pep talk you if drinking is a danger for you. So, I I mean, I don't want anybody to become an alcoholic because they listen to us.
0: (laughs) Exactly. My thinking, (laughs) dude.
1: You have to go through it. I mean, whatever it is, whatever your fears are, whatever your insecurities are, we all have them. I mean, I still have it. I still have like imposter syndrome because and I try to say it. So like I'm out there whenever I talk to Dot All and stuff and just let people know like, hey, I'm not I'm not a coder. I can code. I can figure stuff out. Like I'm pretty determined and whenever I want to get into something and work on it like I'll probably figure it out. Yeah. It might take a long time and it might be frustrating. I might not get sleep. It's kind of like me last night. Like I started working on something and I was just like freaking slider that we're trying to do with grid layouts and all sorts of stuff and like and this isn't my area. Like I shouldn't be doing this you know, with my time. I should be sleeping but whatever. You know I enjoy it. So I think for me I have this I still have this kind of imposter syndrome like I certainly would never push a plug in you know like I don't even know how to write one you know that's why you have a team to do that so there's a, there's a point though where you yeah you just kind of have to face it and get out there and then you I think most people realize unless they're just around around a lot of crappy people that once you get it out there that it's really okay the world didn't come crashing down and it kind of frees you to, to do it some more. And so I, I think, thankfully, in your case, I think in the craft community, most people are kind and helpful and, you know, aren't going to be like, you know, what is this crap? <laughs> you know, like.
0: I was going to say, yeah, so the craft community is stellar. And it's one of the, the key reasons why I stick around and why I enjoy uh, making plugins for this particular community if it was only about business which i'm not that i'm worried about money you know like to pay my rent and stuff but it's not my main motivation never has been but if it was craft wouldn't be the first community i would go for wordpress and woocommerce if that was my motivation because it's so much bigger
1: i want to dig into that so if you were if you're like you wanted to make money are you seeing this like as a plugin developer if you wanted to make money, that you would want to go to WordPress?
0: I, I wouldn't say it's easier, but it's tough to figure out, like, the economic, like, business model behind, like, plugins for craft. We're still, like, small, uh, relatively small. And um, so, like, money, it's, you want to make a living by just selling plugins and doing that all day.
1: So this is what I find interesting because like this is something we're kind of battling too, right? So of like how much to charge and and I've talked to several other people and kind of taken some of their advice of, of plugins and how to focus on them. But like the constant advice we hear and whenever we talk to people just privately is you know like ah I don't know maybe we should make this thing free and like, No, don't don't worry about becoming popular. Just just worry about like it covering the time you you spend on it. I mean, Craft got into this when they recently. I think with the recent release at 3.1 and then commerce 2, they made some of the gateway plugins like $199, $149, I think 149. was it. So yeah, I think so. And they got backlash on it. And I know some of the conversation was really like, it's because, you know, it's not their priority. If they're going to spend time on it, they want to make sure it covers their, their basis. And they obviously switched and made a different call, but like, it's this weird because there are a lot of like independent creators and freelancers who are building sites and craft. There's not the budget for them, you know, or every time they spend, I don't really know the full mentality because I used to be there. Like I'm fine with spending money on plugins these days. Like to me, it like it's worth it. Like if there's a good plugin that works, like spend the money on it. Yeah. It saves that much time, but I don't know. Like you've got to make money on it. And I think that's something that switched for me, like definitely in the past year where I've become more business minded. And I just realized like how much we've given away um, and how much that hurts. So,
0: yeah. So giving away is, is like an inter- interesting topic. So I give away all my time. I give away like all these plugins that does like different things and I help people. I give like, people use it and they have gotten some value out of that. However small. And I only have a certain amount of hours And I have responsibilities. So at what point do you say I cannot give away anymore without charging?
1: What what do you think? I mean, I think the baseline is like if it seems like it's interfering with your life, right? Where you're stressed about something you shouldn't.
0: So I I, I think like uh, with the migration to craft tree, I hit that ceiling. It was simply a choice of like either figuring out something that is scalable or, or that works in my life or to give it up or to kill it. I don't know like how to approach it, but something had, had to give. And I wouldn't say I have like figured it out yet, but I know that I've become more ruthless about my time and to which degree I can give people support and... Which degree I have to charge? So, so my focus now is to to build like bigger plugins that solve specific interesting use cases and, and put like a price tag on it. There's no guarantees. I, I don't know what will work for me. I'm just trying different different approaches here. And uh,
1: so, if you had to double down like on one or two of your plugins, you have 26 in the store right now. <laughs> If you had to double down and let's say pick two of them at this point based on what you know like which two would you pick? Which one's excite you that you would want to be like, yeah, this is me, this is stuff I want to focus on? Like which plugins are those? I released one recently that is called uh, Vips,
0: which is a, it's a payment gateway uh, for the Norwegian market and it basically it it integrates uh, with a service called Vips, which is pay, like it's app-based Payment platform for Norway, where I think it's like 2.8 million users, or something. So that's like a, that's a big chunk of Norway's population. It's both your little sister and your grandmother. It's that like broad reaching. So so it simplified this like uh, situation when you're out with friends doing something, someone pays for something, and then you want to split it afterwards. You know that's always been. Oh, what's your bank account number? Like how much money was it? with vips you can only you can just send them like a you can add everyone to a group and just say how much uh, you paid and then you say done and then everyone it pops up in their app and they say okay and then the money is transferred they recently launched uh, payments for the, the web so where you can basically it's a it's a button and you just click it or uh, tap it on your phone and the, the app pops up. Immediately and everything is filled out. you select which address should they deliver to and press ok so that's probably gonna be great for a conversion. You know all about this. you're trying to like reduce all the steps in like the the payment process right so you will like this so I spent the last couple of weeks trying to to do my first payment gateway for whips, and I think that's gonna be like a really Like it's a interesting enough niche that no one else is doing. But then again, you have the challenge like commerce is still growing in Norway. It's still, I don't know how many is actually using it. It's more and more agencies are doing craft, but how will it sell? I don't know, but at least like I picked like a good use case that no one else is doing. Payment gateways are hard. And I was going to mention this when you mentioned the. uh, Pix and raising the pass on their gateways. The main reason is supporting gateways and like getting a like a test account, all of that, and like read their documentation. It's uh it's a hellscape. It's, it's so messy. And some like services might not even give you a test account. You have to beg them even. <laughs> and so you know, like all of this takes time, so so I can totally see why they needed to raise their price. I actually priced my the gateway plugin to one hundred and forty nine, which is I think it was the same price as theirs. The key difference between uh, me and them is that like I do these plugins, I don't have like the the income of uh, craft and commerce. I don't earn money from them. And I don't have, have a vested interest in like building up the ecosystem. So the more people that use uh, commerce, the more license sales for commerce people have. So I guess like the gateway plugins they made kind of builds up on that. So if people see that Stripe is available for commerce, it's more likely that they will use it if they need Stripe. Anyway, it's tricky. I, I, to answer your original questions, I don't really know, <laughs> I, to be honest. I, well, no, you, yeah, you did. You picked one. I picked one, but it's, it's the, notice that it's the recent one. It hasn't even had any sales, so I don't really know how it will do.
1: Do you find that happens a lot? You're kind of excited about the most recent thing? Are you, are you a person who kind of moves like, from one thing to another, kind of like the newness of stuff?
0: I think to a certain degree I do because uh, maintenance and support is always the challenging part of a project. And also I have this problem where I have probably a million unfinished plugins sitting in a directory somewhere because it takes all this effort and time to write good documentation, to package it up. And uh, once you release it, to actually follow through on support, especially if you put a price tag on it you need to be able to support it. And that's another reason that kind of stops me from releasing more plugins. It's tough because I I would like to contribute more, even more than I have. And I would like to spend more time maybe on doing like more um, complex plugins that requires more work, more documentation, more support. But yeah, it's really hard to figure out that balance between time and, money and you
1: still feel like because you said you had some hard times like even 2015 ish um and then even kind of last year when like craft three came out and so you had to kind of figure out what you were gonna you get spread thin is that what happens it's like you yeah
0: yeah sometimes i do and i i do get excited by new things for sure i'm i'm interested in, in a big range of topics of Within programming, outside of programming, I'm, I, I'm big into music. Uh, I try to, to spend some time with my partner and friends. And, you know, like, what do you do? Do you reduce the stuff you do so you can spend more time on the things that matter? I, I, I guess, yes. You know how it is, right? You get excited about something. And I I, I have that often, I would say, which is uh, maybe a luxury problem. I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. So for me, yeah, I think I'm going to be sharing even more of it later, but like, I mean, I learned the lesson the hard way to be honest. So even with our clients, like we would give away more than what was scoped, you know, and and I'd always want to be nice. Like I like to help people. I want people to like me, you know, I want people to like the work that we're doing. And there was a point where some of it just became problematic financially because you have limited time of the day and if like you're you're not getting paid for all the nice things you think you're doing, it can become a problem. And so for me it did become a problem. I've had just forced into my life, had to face that, you know, you cannot do this because what's happening is it was basically taking away from my family. The free time I was giving away to other people was like money I was not taking, I wasn't being responsible with all of that. And it impacted my family, you know, especially how much money can we save for our kids and things like that. And that was like time I was giving away when, you know, when I didn't need to. And so it was like, I was being nice to clients or in other situations. But I think for me, the reality was I wasn't being nice to my family because I ended up kind of hurting our family in a way that like I was taking away opportunity for them. And man, it hit hard. (laughs) I'll tell you, it was not, it's not not easy. It was really hard um, because it just got really real. And so for me, it took that kind of wake up call to then now it's it's easy for me to say, yeah, we're not going to do that because there's no money in it. There's no financial stability in it. You know, the thing I had to face is not about greed, getting paid properly and and having a profit margin and all stuff is not, you know, it's not greed. We're not out there like no scheming. It's just just normal business, you know,
0: it's about being responsible. I, and I can see it being in the future, it might become a problem. If I have a kid, and the time is stretched even thinner, then yeah, I, I have to face that sooner rather than later. So, all of this, all of these questions is, is is sometimes hard to answer. And yeah, I'm just trying to like figure out something that works as I go along. And this is the shadow side, both of like business in general, and I mean, open source, specifically, uh, I guess, the craft in the craft community, it's, it's the shadow side of all the people putting in all their time into these plugins that people buy for $99 or $59, like how many, how many hours of your build time is that that's like less than one hour? It's hard sometimes to to swallow the argument that this plugin is too expensive or my client cannot afford it and it's...
1: I just have to ignore those because you have to charge what what its value is to you in order to maintain it. You know, you just have to. And so, if somebody doesn't like it, they can build their own. Like, it's really okay. And it's not mean to say that.
0: Or they can copy mine
1: and put their name on it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. It's all it's all on GitHub.
0: <laughs> I, I I think to like tie a bow, it, we don't really have the answer, uh, answers to these questions. It's just I think one good thing that we can do more of is to talk more about it, like both like I don't know people in general in the community, but also like the plugin developers. I enjoy chatting to people about like their, their struggles, their their challenges in making plugins because it helps it really does and it's also nice to tell other people to relax it's it's not that big of a deal it's not your responsibility to help people for free you can do it if you if you want to it's to be nice or for some other reason but it's it's not a responsibility your responsibility is to your like yourself to take care of yourself to be able to do this in the long run it's to your family obviously and it's to your like the people that pay your bills then everyone else they just have to come second it's very simple
1: i agree if you could have it your way because you you currently work in an agency right yeah correct is any of this plug-in work related to that or is this are these like two separate kind of parallel paths
0: it's a parallel. It's something I do on the side to be able to learn more often because often I work on like long-term products that run during like six months or a year. And, you know, like a big chunk of that is often fixing things or making a React component or whatever. So I, I, um, most of the time I do front-end work so I don't usually in the day job I don't get to do like server side stuff or hold my other skills. So it's it's a good like um, parallel path that where I can learn new things and I see many benefits and uh, the challenges we've already touched upon. So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, not to put you on the spot because I don't want you to get in trouble with like your employers. I imagine you love that job. But like if you could make your money off of your plugin stuff and you could focus on software development, is that something that would excite you?
0: I don't know. Like for me, I've been, um, I started doing this, I guess like professionally, I started doing development in 12 years ago or something like that. I don't even remember. Maybe it was 2004, 2005. So it's, it's a while ago even. (laughs) <laughs> Even if it looks like I'm twelve or twenty-two or whatever, people say I look like I'm uh, twenty.
1: <laughs> how how old are you?
0: I'm thirty. I'm turning thirty thirty-two this year, so I cannot uh, pretend. But they still ask me for my ID when I try to buy boots. So just that.
1: Wait, wait. So hold on. Hold on. I, just because I'm curious. So when you last bought um, alcohol, would you buy?
0: Uh, I like whiskey, smoke whiskey, and some Japanese whiskey, which is smoother and bit nicer once in a while. So Nikka is like a good all-round day-to-day whiskey for me. And yeah, I I like red wine as well sometimes. But I have to say, I I don't drink a lot normally. So I I, I tend to drink less than Brad do and judge him for it. (laughs) I do judging for it, but uh, I can understand with like his support burden and like developing a CMS, right? I, I totally understand his love for whiskey. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, when your company name is Pixel and Tonic, you got to fulfill the brand.
0: Yeah, exactly. But to get back to my like background, I I, I started doing that and so I've been doing this for a while and I go through different phases. I work in agencies and I've done uh, the freelancing bits for quite a while too. And what I find is that like, I enjoy working in teams with people, like with really talented people. So that's like one of these uh, tenants, like one of these uh, things I, I need to drive to feel good and to also to learn. And improve myself so doing that on your own like as a solitary like doing software development on your own like plugins it's often a lonely business because it's at the end of the day you're unless you have like a small agency or someone else you're doing this with it's you replying to github issues it's you doing the code it's you figuring out everything in your head and that can get like both lonely I guess and it can get frustrating because, like, you need some kind of verifications. Uh, like, is your ID good? Like, is it useful? As any business like people know, like, what ID do I go for? Where can I make money? What is a waste of time? And often you don't really know until you know. And having just someone else to to sound off on to like check your ideas is really important for me. So. The setup I got right now, it's challenging in time wise, but I think it's the like a mix of or the best of both worlds. So I have a team, I, I do challenging like work every day. I'm working on like things that on my own that is mine, but that I release to the world and I get feedback on. You just have to figure out like what what's my focus the next three years or two years or
1: do you know like where do you want to be like in two or three years?
0: I'll probably have a kit. I'll probably have to to say no to more things. Probably have to do less plugins. I think, <laughs> but other than that, I, I don't really know. I have a tendency to work a lot. I enjoy work. I think it's my mother, especially. I have it from my mother. So we just uh, had our both sets of parents over this weekend and redoing their apartment, painting and stuff, and. My mother, like, you have to tell her, okay, now you need to sit down and have some water and some food. Do it. <laughs> or else she's going to keep going. She's a, she's a machine. and
1: That's really funny. So I have a busybody kind of tendency. I can kind of be the person who doesn't really sit too long or whatever, right? And I can move around. So, like, uh, for home life my wife is like, she works like probably 10 times harder than me during the day. Like she works really hard at her job. She puts a lot of energy into it and she's an introvert. She's a basically a vice principal at a school. So she's around people all day. So she comes home and she's like ready to just relax and just kind of recover. And so one, she does that and she kind of does this, like she can just sit and relax and recoup in a way that I need to learn from. I guess the things that I, that she's, she's brought and kind of trying to teach me is like, she really does like know how to cherish moments and just kind of be in the moment. And that's something I've realized since being married is I, I'm not always in the moment. I'm like thinking about something else or what we need to do this or that. And, and not always kind of enjoying like the moment. And that's something about with like kids that I'm so grateful, like that she's kind of brought that attention <laughs> to my life and other things is just to like sit and enjoy you know, and like really just be present. It's a good thing. It's hard for busybodies, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I recognize that in myself as well. Just sitting and not thinking about like all the 10 things you want to do or need to do or that is waiting for you, or to checking your email and then some important or challenging thing happens. And then you have to like figure out how to respond to that or how. How do you feel about this thing? Or it's not never-ending, uh, maybe a struggle It's a too hard of a word, but yeah, it's hard to balance that, like staying in the moment versus thinking about the future.
1: Where everything feels urgent. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's sometimes, at least for me, when things are feel urgent, but I, it's like, you don't know how to qualify if it is or not. And so it's like, there's this insecurity of like, well, if I don't reply quickly, then they're going to be upset or... Something's going to go wrong. And so like, and maybe they're not expecting that. You know, they just like, hey, just give me you know knowledge that you got this, but you don't have to fix it. They're not expecting you to do anything right now. They have normal expectations, but maybe you have an anxiety of like, oh, I need to address this right now.
0: And me too, all the time. There's people around me that tells me to put things into boxes and then address it when it's time for that box. But how do you do that? I I, I don't know. Like is I have like one big box full of junk. So I just put everything in that box. And
1: <laughs> yeah, man. We need, we need life organizing coaches, you know, like again. So my, my wife, she's really good at her calendar. Like, cause her day is just ridiculous. It's down to the minute, right? So she's like, it's 10.06. I need to be doing this thing. And man, that is not thankfully like because i would go crazy in that but i mean but she's kind of looked at me and sometimes she's like you just need to block off your time it's common advice that people give to about how to manage your time better and how to stay organized so you don't feel stressed out by it just block off your time so like you know even as simple as for, for us chatting right now we had a calendar invite we blocked off time there's nothing else that we're doing and so in the same way with work or different things, whether it's checking email or whatnot, is like block off that time and know when you're going to do it. Like this is when you're going to get to it. And if you know you're going to have that time blocked off for it, then hopefully that calms your, you know, the anxiety. And This is like, so that's something I've, I've tried to get much better at and it has helped, but I'm, I'm not always perfect at it for sure. I still check, you know, I'm like sitting there watching, like we're on base camp, you know, so like I'm looking for updates from a team on base camp, which is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: So you're the CEO
1: that sits looking at (laughs) (laughs) Basecamp? Sounds so horrible. I need a life. When I'm anxious about stuff, yeah. Like when I'm anxious, partly because I want to be, this is me defending myself now. I feel it coming on. It happened this morning. So one of our team members are working on a new project and I want to make sure they get kicked off well. So like they're getting hooked into our client's repo. It's a site that's already built and we're just adding on some features to it. And so... I just want to make sure that it's all good to go so that they're not wasting time or they're not waiting for me. And so whenever people are waiting for me, then it kind of stresses me out because I'm like, God, dang it. You know, like, yeah. So I was just like updating, kind of see like, all right, did they get everything? Are they ready to go? Like, do I need to like jump in? And I get anxious about that feedback because I don't want to be the blocker, you know? especially when <laughs> when you think about it when of me owning the company it's kind of on my dime there's sometimes times where that's not healthy and so i need to block that that stuff off better
0: would you say maybe th- that we are on the creative uh, spontaneous end of the spectrum because i find that like i really enjoy like doing things on the go so like i have a uh, certain friends that the way we meet is that i'm in the neighborhood and i just ring the bell or I ask, I'm around, do you want to have a coffee or whatever? That's like how we meet every time. And other people in my life, maybe they don't understand like because they're like of the planning type. My my partner is certainly like a person like that. She needs to plan or else it's chaos in her life. She gets really stressed out not having a plan. And I'm very kind of bad at looking at my calendar. So sometimes I have... like things happening, like events or appointments. That I, and I discovered it like five minutes before. I, I'm getting better as well because I have to, obviously, but I like to have some degree of spontaneity in my life where I just do whatever feels or comes natural to me.
1: I'm definitely that way. So, like, we just had our son's fifth birthday party. And this is always like a, a point kind of for us because my, my wife, very appropriately, because we have people over. And so, I, I think she's right in these, in these circumstances that we need to have a plan, you know, people are coming over for two hours for five-year-old, four-year-old, five, you know, so like we need to have a plan, something to figure out. And I'm kind of like, my default is like, uh, not really. Like they'll just play, you know, we'll like figure it out. We'll feel it out as we go. Like we'll figure out when it's time to adjust and like, Hey, they're kind of getting bored or they're yelling at each other. Let's like go do kick now. You know, like that's kind of how I do it. But like, it's very selfish, you know, of me to kind of present it that way. And just like, well, just because I'm comfortable in that, like doesn't mean everybody else, everybody else is going to want kind of to know what's going on. It's helpful when you have an agenda, like, any meetings like I've had that with meetings, like sometimes I'll just, we'll just wing a meeting and like realize I've learned, learned like that just feels like a waste of time for people, you know. Like the meeting isn't to make me feel good about let me just talk about whatever we want to talk about in the moment. I mean, goodness, even this podcast, like I, I plan a bit, I have a questions that I've like prepared for you and stuff like that, but that's not really what I want to do. Like, I just want to chat, you know, so I just want to be spontaneous with it. But when you run a business and when you have to make decisions about making money um like with your plug-in stuff and you have to like you can't just do that like it's just there's a separation of like at least long term it's not it's not viable you know to just wing it and to be a spontaneous there really does need to be a plan about the relationship of time and money you know and figuring that stuff out but
0: to, to a certain degree but i think like there is some flexibility there like you can choose in how much do you plan versus how much do you take like on the spot, and re- just realizing that I think is good for people.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Well, it was funny because we met at Dottel in Berlin, and we went out to lunch. I so I'm, I'm changing topics here just real quickly, but like I remember Mark, poor Mark, man, when we were there, there's the, the all the bees that were in the store, <laughs> and. Have you done a lot of work with Mark before? Cause he was the guy who like really surprised me. Like I really enjoyed him and I enjoyed like the spontaneous nature of like, maybe that's the connection I'm having. But, like thinking about what, the spontaneous, like that we just kind of all went out and picked a random spot, but I'll never forget that lunch. I felt so bad for Mark. Cause he was so terrified of all the, the bees that were flying around.
0: I don't remember how I reacted. I probably told him, Oh, relax. It's fine. Like, And he was probably, as you said, terrified. So maybe I was a bit of an asshole there. But yeah, it was the first time I met Mark in real life. But uh, yeah, we've done a bunch of commerce-related work the the last year. And we are working on some commerce stuff right now. What are you working on? Uh, So one of the things we are doing is um, uh, working. like We made a a live shipping rates plugin for uh, Commerce One site. Last year, and we're porting that over to uh, Craftree. The client is doing like a bigger, bigger project where we're migrating everything to Craftree, and it's it's a bit of like an interesting, I guess, case. the The original brief was that they needed like live shipping rates from I think it's UPS or FedEx or one of those, and but they also had like UK specific rates, and the logic for that was very particular to this client they had the uh, big like excel spreadsheets which i i don't know how many weeks we tried like tried to really understand it uh, and to this day i don't really uh, know if we understand it fully but we were able to turn that into some logic so so the way we approached it was we made like a generic plugin that integrates with uh, postman.com one of these uh, like API sites that gives you, they take care of the integrations with the different carriers like UPS and DHL, and then they just give like a modern, nice API to, to work with. So we made that, and then we made like another plugin that hooked into that plugin through events that I added. So I made this like two pronged approach where I made like a the the first. Part just very generic with the mind of releasing it as a commercial plugin, and the second for the UK logic, very specific to that client. And it wasn't without its challenges, and but we learned a ton. And later in that project, we figured out like some of our mistakes, and we we made it like improved it. So so that was fun. That was like I guess my most complex shipping integration.
1: Is that one that you posted onto? Uh, is that in the store?
0: Uh, no, it's it's coming soon. We're I'm working on it right now. The, I, I'm refactoring it to support multiple providers. So I'm starting with Postman and adding a bunch of others. And I guess I hopefully, like that architecture allows, like if people have some particular needs or provider in their country, then maybe I can integrate it. You know, I'd rather tell these clients to just go with fixed prices. As you said in your talk at the .all, so much <laughs> <Yeah>. simpler, <laughs> so much easier.
1: Well, we have one now and we're helping somebody. It's somebody else's build, but we're handling a lot of the e-commerce parts of it. So they were able to convince the client on fixed pricing for the basic, kind of the, the regular shipping. But they still want a live rate for the one day. So it's uh for the United States Postal Service kind of one day thing. So we have to push that out this month too. So we've been kinda waiting whether it's gonna be verb like Josh over at verb and pushing out posty. It sounds like there's people working on different things and it's like if somebody will just come out with one.
0: I'm coming out with mine in tomorrow. <laughs> no, I no, I'm not. But I, I was actually thinking about this interview and like maybe I can push it to like push some first version out the uh, – and be able to announce it to you on the podcast but uh, obviously that didn't happen
1: (laughs) yeah it's like us in our um, commerce insights plugin our reporting stuff it's like yeah we announced it january big thing (laughs) i'm like no no i'd rather be much smarter about it so it's just too much client work it's just not worth it even if we disappoint people it's just but yeah so so what i'll do is i'll go find that repo of yours i'll clone it fork it and um, I'll push it to the plugin store to force you to uh release it sooner
0: good luck there's uh yeah that's a that's a good idea but um sadly like postman is they have like a package that they released like three years ago that I haven't updated since which is currently failing so I have to like build my own postman integration now um it's already showing some promise um so that's gonna be a good one to to get out soon. I also, like with Mark, I did like a second shipping plugin. So that's my expertise and my niche, obviously. So I'm only doing shipping integrations for the rest of my life now. (laughs) We did it for like a a flower and Christmas tree uh, shop that's delivering like all through the UK. But they, they had this like very particular setup again, like with different shipping zones and then they have different slots and it it was all based on postcodes which i don't think commerce has any like great way of doing different um, shipping zones based on postcodes we built that like based on like a like a legacy system there's into the commerce too Again, like that was my first uh, time doing like a deeper integration with commerce, and allowed me to dig into the internals more so than I've done before, and that, that was really nice. And worked so much better than like the first uh, shipping project with it. That's actually led me to look into doing like more shipping stuff and more. I mean, custom or. Like, for example, allowing different shipping zones within a country based on zip codes. So that's one of the ideas I'm playing around with. I probably have like 400 IDs for like different plugins and maybe a hundred of those are like commerce related that I could do. But we'll see what happens in the future. The shipping one is happening for sure.
1: Well, that one seems like it could be one you could easily put a price tag on, especially if it's one that you can extend, you know, so you can, if it kind of creates its own It's I mean, essentially like commerce, right? So commerce is a plugin and you can extend commerce with all these you know other things. I mean, you give somebody a, a better boilerplate to start with a plugin that kind of serves as a central hub to be able to then do other things is I think exactly what commerce needs. I think shipping is one of those. I mean, the fact that, I think tax rates is another one of those. So I know that like Pixel Atomic Tonic are coming out with both Shippo and TaxJar plugins. And that's wonderful. Like it's that's going to be super helpful. I think one of the things that will be even more helpful is like having something like kind of what you're saying is a central hub. So you can pick any tax system. Like you can kind of just be a little bit more flexible. So it's less biased, you know. And I'm not sure what that looks like. It's just something you think about. Like,
0: Yeah, speaking of like Pixel and Tonic like do you feel that Pixeltonic spreads themselves too thin? Sometimes they obviously are a small company, and they have all these things they they should probably do and needs to do, and maybe can do. But at the end of the day, they also have like limited resources. So, do you sometimes feel that way? And like, how should they address that when you have this like growing ecosystem with more and more needs?
1: You know, I've never thought about that. So I, I haven't ever felt that myself. If there's anything that I felt of, like, I wish it could be different, would be on the side of I wish that commerce could get more attention. And they're doing that. So they're currently hiring for a, a commerce developer. And so I think having you know more staff would help. I don't know what their finances are. I don't know what their business model is. Like ultimately, of like what things are happening there. Like I know that onboarding people is challenging onboarding people into like creating products is challenging. You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously I think for everyone, like I wish you would have 52 plugins, not 26, you know, I wish, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a side of me that's like, Oh, I wish everybody was, I mean, for us, I even like wish we had more stuff out. Like, I guess I I have a patience with it.
0: Me too, to a certain degree, but I, I feel maybe subscriptions and like both the Stripe plugin and the subscription uh, support in in commerce uh, particularly is like a good example of where I feel they are maybe a bit too slow in fixing things and addressing things. And like, and I, I, you know, I don't have a great solution for that because again, these things takes time and.
1: Well, they need another developer. And I think they're, I mean, they are making that decision because I know like Andrews is the one who did the subscription one, if I'm, if I'm correct. And I mean, he's, that's not his primary focus. Like he's doing a lot of other stuff too, you know? So like, and so they're, they're kind of split. And so I'm not sure how they line up on their dev team, like who's in charge of what specific features. So like they seem to silo a little bit, which makes sense to do, give this person full attention on this new feature. And the fact that they're trying to keep up and push new features, the fact that they have big visions for what craft four is going to be and already what craft five is going to be. And there's going to be dedication to that. I know that with Craft 3, Brandon had said that they were hoping to just kind of let it sit for a while and let it mature. But I'm not sure Brandon's a person who can let it sit too long. (laughs) You know, he's a vision guy and he wants to develop stuff and create new features. But yeah, see how they can scale. I think it's going to be one of the the interesting things of watching Pixel and Tonic is how do they scale as they'll need to add new developers, which they're doing um, at least one right now. And how can they scale up to do more to be able to meet those demands? Because So right now we're building another subscription service, like a, a subscription gateway. And we had just built another site. So our actually the previous episode was about a site that we had built in with commerce subscriptions. And so there's things in there like we can't easily pull like what the default payment um, source is for a subscriber. You, you just can't get that. And so that's something like find workarounds so that people aren't adding the wrong payment source or duplicating payment sources. Um,
0: Like there's no emails.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, because the one we're building right now is is for Recurly. So Recurly is, it's kind of like Stripe in that it's the actual like billing management system, but unlike Stripe, you have to hook into a separate payment gateway still. Like, so Recurly, like you can still use Stripe, you know, you can still use some other service, but recurly itself is the subscription management system and so um so we have a client that's on that and we're trying to do fewer api calls you know in our build so we're we're integrating it into craft more so like there's just it's synced up more that like craft is just more up to date right and so we're we're kind of following the subscription model that, uh, originally off of the stripe one just kind of get sense because there's no documentation there's no uh to kind of follow it and so yeah, you find some of the holes, and we realize like some of the things that we want to include in ours are far more advanced than what the Stripe one is. But I think for me, it's balanced. Though there's a part I, I get it, but yeah, you always wish there were more. <laughs>
0: yeah, and this is where I guess the community have to step up and to a certain degree and scale up where it makes sense and uh, provide like fill out those holes with plugins, and ho- hopefully be able to share those plugins as well. Because you know, like uh, last year, for example, I I did tons more like private plugin stuff than I did publicly. So, and you know, like most of that, like, I I can't really release either because of like most of the time it's because of time. Because I probably guess that a lot of clients would be okay with you releasing it uh, as long as you like maintain it and they get like that maintenance for free because you you have it out in the plugin store and. Where people are using it then and...
1: they basically funded it right like they're the yeah
0: yeah exactly so um but yeah I, I i wish I could release more of those like private plugins but it's it always requires so much more effort to do it like a public release for everyone versus just for like a project and a and a client and
1: oh yeah especially now with modules you know
0: yeah yeah, yeah. for sure,
1: <laughs> just created a module you know and, and... <laughs>
0: That's actually like my plugin or like prototyping phase has changed a lot with modules. So I feel it's so much easier now to just like test out an ID with modules than it was with plugins, you know, um, oh, you have to add it to your composer file. and Then you have the composer update and then you blah, 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 install it. Now we just like copy and off you go. Or download it and copy into the modules.
1: Yeah. Uh, folder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right now we have a project where we're, we're setting it up to so where they can have deposit payments, you know, so a partial deposit payment on products. So and there's no easy way to do that. You have to write adjusters, you know. Or at least the way we're figuring out is like you write an adjuster that like reduces the cart value and then and then you adjust it back. <laughs> so after the payments were made, when it's finally all done, it I mean it looks normal. So the it's just two adjustments, you know. To me, I'm like, I think people would benefit from that if there's a way we put that into a plug-in. But when it comes to, yeah, but there's not the budget for that. And this is for a specific client. And so we just, it's probably going to just be a module on the project, you know, just create the adjusters in there. And so, yeah, but maybe it's one of those if you, know, you write a blog about it or something, and you can share the community that way, as opposed to like writing a plugin. That way, then people can do their own things, you don't have to worry about them copying because you gave it to them.
0: <laughs> yeah, then then there's like the funny stuff you just try. So, so I started like this Christmas, I tried playing with uh, uh, Twilio has like this voice calling API. So you can um, have like a serve, like when you enter the payment uh, page, you can call their API and then they call your phone number and then you can enter your your credit card through the phone. And it's all like digital and secure. And then you can actually, you can charge it with the API. You can like program everything, like the service should say. It was really funny to, to play around with. I have no idea if that's something people could use, but it was it was a fun evening.
1: <laughs> and that would honestly terrify me. I'm imagining like would I rather just type in my credit card information on the computer or do I want somebody to call me and I enter it in over the phone?
0: I think it's I think it's kind of like similar to Stripe in a way. I have no idea about like security through like phone lines and stuff, but I, I would assume that it's pretty secure, or comparable to to maybe the browser or like the internet. But I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know enough about security. I'm I'm afraid, you know, no one's ever gonna tap my phone, but you know.
0: So they have probably thought about it. It's it's one of the services that they actually offer today. So. There must be some regulation in place, and there must be some considerations to security that they have made and again it's it's why you you would rather use a service like that rather than a person calling you like a human, yeah, I have all these like funny little ideas like that that I'd play around with,
1: uh, yeah, you're a vision guy, man, I like it, like you have all sorts of like you know, ideas of, of problem solving and, and helping people. And I, I think that's, I think it's a really important combination of skill sets and values that, that you're doing. And I think it's benefited people. So I really think that you've, you've added, I mean, we use some of your plugins on some of the sites, especially for commerce one on that abandoned carts one was really helpful for some of our clients. And I think it'll be exciting to to see you as you kind of walk through how to manage that time of like, what's important, what your priorities are and always scratching that itch of like what the next idea is and, and and following through and I think there's there's a lot of good things um, it'd be fun to, to kind of see what you come up with and how many plugins you have you know a year from now
0: <laughs> we can make like a like a live counting like just a website where the only thing on there is
1: yeah exactly that's <laughs> exactly.
0: Related to that, like do you think it's it's more important for someone like me to contribute like plugins than it is to like maintain them? Because like if the more plugins you create, the less time you have to do the other thing that is like maintenance or whatever else.
1: I think it's more important to keep your sanity. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's better for the long term. And I think as much as you can plan things out. I do think Pixel and Tonic do a really good job of saying, that's a great feature, and there's a lot of people asking for it, but we're going to wait. And they prioritize things. so And I think they do a really good job of it, honestly. So there's some things, obviously, we we would want things faster, but they're thinking bigger than that. And honestly, and I can't remember who told me, I think it was Ben from Double Barrel, who does the Sprout um, plugins, but I think he told me that he learned from Mitchell at SoulSpace you should focus on fewer plugins. Like SoulSpace has few plugins, right? And they just have invested in them and they're just solid plugins. Super
0: solid. And they're actually one of the, the people that are actually like have a good business case and are making money off it. And there's so many people using their plugins.
1: Because they built just really in depth, like very, like you can't compete. There's nobody can really compete with that level. And obviously there's some people who have plugins that are, that fewer, you know, features if you ne- don't need all those features. But I mean, for us, like forms is a default. Forms is always going to be on our client sites. It doesn't even matter if it's just a simple thing. Like you're just going to put it on there. And they're, I forget what, it's $99. And so I don't know what their business model is. I know they do client work too and they have other stuff. But like, I don't know how much they make from plugins, but I think they're doing okay. I think all the stuff we've been talking about is like, just be like SoulSpace. <laughs> Figure out really good plugins, focus on, the f- on few of them and charge money for them and make them really good and have those just as these cornerstones of who you are if you do other plugins maybe don't put them out there like i don't know that's what we think about that's why we're focusing on commerce insights like and being slow about it because we want it to be really good we could put it out now it works you can get some reports probably more than than a lot of uh, some of the reports that people really want but we're like no it's not sufficient yet and that's kind of what guides me so i think I think if you can do fewer plugins, since you asked for my advice, like I, and I don't really know, we're still figuring it out too. But I think based on what I hear from other people is do fewer plugins that, so you're not spread thin and that will give you longevity to be able to be sane, but also to have the business case to be able to focus on it. That's kind of what I think. So maybe your shipping one would be the, be the way to go. I don't know what that would be for you, but like, that's the direction that we're going to go is not to spread thin, because we're already spread thin with clients, you know, just trying to get client work out. But Josh and I talked about it too on the Christmas episode of the balance between plug-in work versus client work is hard enough. And so then if you spread yourself with a bunch of plug-ins that aren't viable, you know, like they're not paying for themselves and then people start to get frustrated with you um, if you're not able to respond to them and it kind of impacts your reputation Like I think all those matter, all those things matter ultimately, you know, because then when you have a paid plugin, do people want to buy from you because you've not responded to them or your other ones aren't as good? And I feel like we've, there's a part of us, like at Foster Commerce is kind of in that way, like our plugins, like even with the Clavio Connect one, we wish it could be better. And there's other ones like we feel like they're not really hitting the mark. And I worry about what that, the reputation that that's setting. I'd rather have fewer that are out there so that the reputation's better that we can really focus on them. We're not making money on plugins. I mean not at all. It's not there yet. It's something in the the business model for us to be able to get to that point, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a long way of just saying we don't know. We don't really know. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I just uh yeah, I just share all that. So
0: I I think that's a great s- summary of our chat. <laughs> we don't really
1: know. We don't know. We we enjoy what we do, We're just trying to make it work, and hopefully it will.
0: Yeah. <laughs> True.
1: <laughs> well cool, man. Yeah, you know, we'll have to convince them to do a dot one Norway or dot all Norway. Man, I would love I was looking at pictures of Oslo before before we chatted, and it's just I would love to, to visit. I'll hit you up if I do.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Hi, right, man. Well, thanks for stopping in. After we, we stopped recording, Fred told me that he has even more plugins than he had let on or even mentioned in the show. Um, and there are some that are coming out really soon. And uh, so definitely keep an eye out for those. Again, you can always check him out. at uh, uh, super big and um, search super big on the plugin store to see his stuff. Now, if you or someone you know makes e-commerce tick in a large or small way, in your own way, tell me. I'd love to to get to know what's going on in your world and how you are engaged in e-commerce. Just email me at steven, that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N at fostercommerce.com. And of course... You can find more episodes of the show at FosterCommerce.com slash podcast. You can sign up to our email as well. Unique and amazing content every two weeks. Don't want to miss it. You've been missing out. You don't want to do that anymore. So go sign up. Reviews are always welcome at uh, iTunes. You can leave them wherever you want. iTunes is where I like them. (laughs) And always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephen Callender, and you've been listening to Commerce Minded by Foster Commerce.